You are now listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be dissecting the Sixers' interest in James Harden in the offseason. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for making Lockdown 76ers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today, we will be dissecting the Sixers' interest in James Harden, possible trades with the Hawks and the Kings, as well as a fortitude of Tyrese Maxey in a win over the Spurs on Sunday. I am Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, and I'm joined by the OG, Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, what's going on, my guy? What's good, man? What's good? Hey, man. Like, uh... I got to ask you, man, how was San Antonio? Because I've heard mixed, like, feelings about how when reporters go to San Antonio. So before we dive into it, what are your thoughts on San Antonio? It's all right. I mean, you know, so you're trying to get me to say something crazy. No, no, no. (laughs) You know, San Antonio is okay. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's the, the southern tip of, like, Texas. It's close to Mexico. Like, it's really close to Mexico. Um. You know, San Antonio is different. It's kind of like a small town with, uh, with, with uh, you know, the Riverwalk. And, like, I used to always tell people it kind of reminds me of Harrisburg without a Riverwalk. I mean, it's like without the Riverwalk, it reminds you of Harrisburg, right? Oh, okay. And then, but some people think it's a knock. And it's not really a knock. It's just that it's, a, it's not like it's a smaller town. Um, the one thing is, it's cool though, man. It's it's like it's one of those places where the Spurs are by far, by far the biggest thing in the city. So it, it's it, it's the to me honestly, it's the equivalent of Green Bay, okay. the basketball equivalent of Green Bay. Meaning, it's a small town city with a big time basketball team, NBA team, and the people there go crazy. But that's what's there. That in the Alamo. That in the Alamo. <laughs> All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. Speaking of Green Bay, I was happy to see the Packers get booted out of the playoffs over the weekend. So I was definitely happy to see that. Um, yeah, it, it, see what happens when you don't have to play trash in a trash division. When you get out of that trash <laughs> division, that's what happens. Well, that's what happens when you play the Lions twice a year. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't get you ready for the postseason at all. Um, well, the Bears are bad too, and so is Minnesota. Bears are bad. Vikings are bad. The NFL playoffs were actually pretty, pretty freaking wild this week. This weekend, if we're going to be honest. Um, well, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all right. We're going to dive right into it, guys. Um, James Harden, Keith, is really looking like at this point. The Philadelphia 76ers have their eyes set on James Harden. It just kind of sounds like it's boom or bust. Um, if it's not Harden, it's anybody. It's nobody. Um, I'm going to give you – I'm actually going to ask you this as we start this off. If you had to give it a percentage, right, what are the chances the Sixers end up with Harden? Wow, that's a good one. Um, if you ask me what are the, what's the percentage that the Sixers won Harden, I would have to say that's extremely high. End up with Harden, it, that's a little tough for me. And the reason being is because there has to be some variables that happen for them to get them. Like, A, um, Brooklyn would have to do a sign-in trade with the Sixers. 
And, you know, yes, it's like, okay, well, you can get Ben Simmons, but what if Brooklyn doesn't want to do a sign and trade? And then B, if they can't do a sign and trade, and if they can't trade Tobias Harris or do some other things to free up cap space for him, is James Harden going to want to come here for like less than market value? You know what I mean? So to me, there's a lot of variables, but, you know, in regards to the Sixers wanting them, man, I got to say that that's close to a hundred. Now, again, they're going to come out and say, that's not what we want. Um, And there's a lot of other players that we also want we're into, but the sources I spoke to and the sources that other people spoke to, says that James Harden is the guy. Like, he's the guy that they want. Yeah, and, you know, it's true. You know, the Sixers, they've always done that. They're going to come out and be like, oh, we don't want this guy. We are looking at all our options and things like that, which I feel like they have to do. But Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like they have to do that, you know, to the public and everything. But I, I think we've all pretty much known that the Sixers have their eyes on James Harden. Now, and you know, initially it was all Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal, but part of me was like, I feel like Daryl Morey would rather bring in James just because of their, you know, their history together with the Houston Rockets. So, you know, I feel like Daryl would want to bring him in here and, and, and the things like that. But you just brought up an interesting point. Do the Sixers even have the salary cap space to be able to make that work? I mean, you would have to, uh, nah, not right now. Like it depends. I mean, that's why I think like, okay, if they can get somebody to take, Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris contract, yeah, it could possibly work. Mm-hmm. Like if you can get someone to take Tobias and get something else, you know, um, you you, you got to see. I think you still need some work. Like I don't have the numbers in front of me per se, but when you look at it, you know, James Harden mm-hmm. next year, his contract, if if he uh, does the opt in, is going to be for forty seven million. So Tobias is set to make what thirty seven million. So you factor in Danny Green's making ten million. So if you could like, well, even though you know, but Danny Green's salary isn't guaranteed next year. But you know what I'm saying? If you could get rid of Tobias's contract and free that up, you know, and then you could possibly like trade Ben or something like that. Yeah, but at the same time, you got to get in some expiring contracts and, and things like that for the work to work. You know, yeah. but. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, like, how much, like, how other, how many other pieces would you have to include in there along with, with Ben, right? Because I think you just mentioned it, James is set to make $47 million if he opts in. Tobias next year is, you mentioned, um, it's, according to basketball reference, it's $38 million for, for, for next year, so an extra million. And then, um, you know, from that point on, would, would you have to maybe throw in, like, a Furcon Korkmaz? Because I mean, I know Ferk, I think is set to make I think five million or something next year, somewhere around that number. Yeah, you may have to. You may have to. You may have to, um, to 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 make that work out. Um, but you know, it, it seems good on on paper. It's just a matter of just executing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I it's feel like that. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be like the biggest thing. It's like, are the Sixers going to be able to make that work? Now. Outside of the framework of that deal, I'm just kind of thinking, I feel like if you were to bring in James Hart here to Philadelphia, I feel like Keith Sixers games would last four hours with the, with how many free throws Joel Embiid and, and Harden take per game, right? I feel like games would be lasting <laughs> forever. 
I know, yeah, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. With <laughs> when the you think of, of it that way, <laughs> yeah, it's like wow, wow. It would but, probably be exciting too. I mean, I, I don't know who they would have playing with them, but it would be exciting. Yeah, because I, I, I honestly, Keith, I can't think of a better partner for Joel than James. Like, I feel like James Harden is like the absolute perfect, perfect fit for Joel as a guy who can run the pick and roll, be able to shoot and score off that pick and roll, be able to take a game uh, game over from the perimeter, which is something that the team has needed for a bit next to Joel. Um, he's also a guy who can rebound the basketball. He's a, he's an elite uh, playmaker. He makes everybody around him better. So yeah. I, I just, I, I can't think of like a, a near perfect fit for Joel and James Harden, if they can get him. Yeah. You say he makes everybody around him better. You think? That's just how I. That's just how I feel, especially when you look at even his days with the Houston Rockets. I mean, they made the Western Conference Finals twice with him, right? And in, and in 2015, I thought it was the most impressive run because they had all the injuries, and it was like the starting point guard for that team was Jason Terry. You know, kind of like at the end of his career, and I felt like that was a real impressive run. And then even in 2018, the run with Chris Paul, I, I feel like just everybody around Harden played better. PJ Tucker had a huge year. Trevor Reza had a huge year. Um, Capella even like, be- like between Capella and Harden, I-, I feel like he did a really good job with them. Yeah, but also you got to realize there, but he was also criticized for that ISO ball, like where he got points where he just you know over dribbled and either and when he passed it, it was like a bailout. I mean, I-, I think he showed me a lot when he left when he left um, Houston last year and was in Brooklyn. Now, again, he and Kyrie and KD only played a total of 16 games together, only played a total of 16 games together. However, um, I think that the fact that he was being more of a distributor um, showed more. Now, again, you know, he may have made some of those guys better, but I think it also takes a certain type of player to, to be around. Like, he's not the type of guy well, the knock was before he went to Brooklyn was he wasn't the guy who could play with superstars. Maybe early in his career, but other than he's like extremely ball dominant. So the question is, now, is if he comes to Philadelphia and he needs touches, Joel Embiid needs touches, well, who are you going to surround him with? You're going to have to get a lot of floor spacers and shooters because if you have a third guy, who's saying, hey, what about me? I got to get my touches too. It's probably not going to work out. You know what I mean? It's just not going to work. So, again, I just think that in regards to him making guys better, it got it, it initially was that way, but then towards the end, it looked like it was just the ball was just stagnant. It wasn't moving. You know, people were saying that's not winning basketball. And the one thing is, yes, when they had Chris Paul, that was a, a, a pretty good team. And then also you remember, you know, there were some, you know, things with guys like they say he didn't get along with Chris Paul towards the end. They said him and Dwight didn't get along. So, you know, on paper, I, I it, it looks it, it sounds exciting, right. exciting because you have these two. But, you know, you got to see how it works, man. You got to see how it works out because, you you know, they're going to need other guys, too. They're going to help them come out of the East. No, absolutely. And and you make excellent points there. And and who knows? I mean, I mean, if Harden and Joel, like if that becomes like a, a thing, it'll definitely be interesting to see 
how that all works out. And it's definitely going to be something to kind of watch like as the season continues for, for both Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Um, up next, guys, we're going to be talking about some possible some trades that the Sixers, uh, some trade offers Sixers made to both the Atlanta Hawks and the Sacramento Kings. But first, we're going to hear from Prize Picks. 76ers fans, you've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, now is the perfect time. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a single player in your Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right, this is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans only who use code NBA. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points assists rebounds threes made etc you pick two to five players and an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers i recently placed a flex play entry with an over on joel Embiid and an under on scotty barnes and doubled my money it took me all 30 seconds to make my selections it's that easy folks go to prizepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app all users that deposit and use our promo code nba will get 50 dollars free if your prize picks entry scores a single point that's right all users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is a daily fantasy made easy. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and Locked On NBA will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels and get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. All right, guys, welcome back. Now, Keith, there, there, there were some interesting teams out there. Um, like the Atlanta Hawks and the Sacramento Kings, uh, you know, the Sixers apparently made trade offers to them, uh, Philadelphia, they, when it comes, when it comes to Atlanta, they wanted John Collins and they, they were offering up Ben and, uh, Tobias to try to bring John Collins in and team him up with Joel in the front court. Um, let's just kind of touch on that one first. What, what would, what do you think of that possible fit? I, I know the Hawks kind of turned it down, but what would you think of a John Collins fit in Philadelphia? You know, I mean, I, I think it'll work out well. Uh, well, let me take that back. You know, the thing about Collins is I think when you have a guy with Joel Embiid, you know, you need, like, a guy who's going to stretch the floor a lot, you right. know, a guy who's going to do certain things or a guy who's going to create spacing. Now, I, I do like Collins. Um, you know, I, I, I do like uh, – what is it? I mean, I, I do think that he's a, it brings a lot of energy, but to me, I don't know if John Collins and Joel Embiid is getting you out of the Eastern conference. You know what I mean? I think you need a, 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 a perimeter player. You know what I mean? I, I just don't see that. Like if I'm trading Ben Simmons and I'm saying I want a lot for him, I'm not ending the day with John Collins. I like John Collins. Right. I, I like John Collins. I think he's a, a good player, a really good player, but I don't think that I'm trading Ben Simmons for John Collins. No, I, I'm the same way. And you, you kind of look at John's stats and, and really even the eye test, right? John Collins is an athletic guy. He's quick. He's a solid defender um, with the way he moves his feet and uses, uses his hands pretty well. 
and he shoots 42.6% from three, right? And and that's that's one of those percentages where you're just like, wow, that's a really solid percentage. But then you look at the fact that he only takes 3.1 attempts from deep a game. So the volume is low. Like, it's not like he's out here shooting somewhere around five, seven, eight threes a night and hitting that type of number. Like, it's only three a night. So the volume is limited. Um, and then also, he only averages – you know, I think it's a 7.9 rebounds a game. It's about the same amount of rebounds as Tobias. Um, so just, I like Collins too. I think Collins is one of the more athletic, you know, he's got elite athleticism. He's a very good player, but I too question his fit next to Joel and, and Keith for me, man, like, like I, I see these names that keep popping up, right? Like Collins, um, Pascal Siakam, Demontis Sabonis, like, like these, these names that randomly pop up. And I don't understand where they're coming from because none of those players fit next to Joel, really. Nah, they don't. I mean, the problem is, I mean, it's kind of like teams looking for Ben Simmons. I mean, you look at it. John Collins wants out of uh, the Hawks. Sabonis wants out of Indiana. So you're looking at these teams saying, well, look, I got this guy who wants to get out of here. And maybe we can get Ben, who can become the power forward, athletic guy, and it can excel in that situation, right? Right. So that's where that comes from. But the problem is, it's kind of like, in order for the Sixers, they need a secondary score to be with them. A guy who can, you know, hit threes, a guy who can close out games from the perimeter. Like, but I don't see any of these dudes Unless you got a third person, third team trade, you get another team about. But I don't see any of these dudes, these power forwards, making them elite. I don't. I just don't. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, jo- Joel is a beast. And what's McCall is a beast. Now, what they're going to do is they can play the Twin Towers where we'll have – it could be just like it is in Indiana where Joel, you know, is the uh, – the center on defense, so to speak, but he's he's a stretch four on offense because he likes shooting from the outside. And then on, on defense, he can protect the rim. I mean, just like what Indiana does now, but I don't see that team, like, beating Brooklyn. I don't see no. that team beating Miami. I don't see them coming out of the East, beating Milwaukee. Yeah, because, listen, I'm with you. They need They need a perimeter guy. And you know what? Like, like you and I have have had this conversation a couple of times. Like they need a guy from the perimeter to just help out Joel in terms of being able to score and take games over with three pointers and and breaking down a defense and, and th- things like that. Like 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 there there is a lot that the Sixers need in terms of a perimeter player. And granted, like like these big men that are popping up, right? Like John Collins, good player. Demonte Sabonis, good player. Pascal Siakam is a good player. Like the, the, these guys that are mentioned are, 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 you know, solid NBA players. You know, they're all stars, uh, not, not, not Collins, but um, guy, guy, guys like Siakam and Sabonis are all stars. And the thing is the fit next to Joel is just, it's not going to work. The, when, when I hear these names, all I can think of is that one season with Al Horford in Philadelphia and, I even said Al Horford was a good player when the Sixers acquired him, but I mean, his, his fit just isn't there. It wasn't a good fit. And that's what I think of when I see these other, these other big men that kind of pop up for the Sixers that have been popping up lately. Now, Keith, there was another team that, you know, the Sacramento Kings, and we've talked about the Kings at nausea, but Tyrese Halliburton, 
uh, Sixers apparently asked for Halliburton. King said no. Um, did, but that's another one, Keith. Like, like, why are you going after Tyrese Halliburton if you keep at saying like, yo, I want the moon, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars for Ben Simmons, but then you end up with Tyrese Halliburton. How would you do that? Yeah, but see, I don't believe that one because see, here's the deal. Like, I mean, unless stuff is going out, but from apparently, you know, the Sixers apparently asked for, and, and I mean, again, apparently a court, like the Sixers asked for her Halliburton before. And it, it was a point where they weren't trying to make Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox available. But the Sixers say, you talk to people, sources with the team, they all say they don't want De'Aaron Fox, right? So then all of a sudden, the deal is that you hear that being offered is for Halliburton. And we talked about this last week. Halliburton, yeah. Buddy Hill, and um, Harrison Barnes. And then it was two first-round picks. And then the Sixers come back and say they don't want it. So now you got both sides saying, ah, we don't want it, we don't want it now. The one thing about right now we got to be careful about is names are getting leaked. Yeah. And players are saying, hey, you guys told me I was untouchable. And this and that. And now I'm not. Now, the thing that don't really make a lot of sense to me is if you're – the Sacramento Kings and somebody, and you really want Ben Simmons and you're desperate to get Ben Simmons and the Sixers come to you and say, Hey, look, you give me Halliburton. I'm going to give you Ben Simmons and you give me a couple picks. And they're like, nah, we ain't, we're good. We're good. Hi. Please, please. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. Now, of course the salaries don't match up. So what you have to do is you have to add some other players involved to help it out, right? So to me, for, for someone to say that they turned down that deal, so what else was in the deal? You know what I mean? What else was it? Now, we, we do know that the 76ers want to shop. Wherever they go, they want to shop Ben Simmons. No, excuse me. They want to shop Tobias, right? The Sixers saying it's not true, but there's a growing number of sources around the league it said everybody wanted them to take in Tobias with that. So maybe that could have been it. Or maybe the Sixers are, are continuously moving the goalposts saying, okay, we'll do this, but you got to give us more. Like instead of those two first-round picks, we want three. You back up. But if somebody's telling me that they're going to offer Ben Simmons a three-time All-Star who Sacramento def desperately wants, and they and and then in Sacramento said we ain't doing it because we want to keep Halliburton. Nah, bro, I ain't buying that. And yeah. as much as I like Halliburton, I don't think at this particular time of his career that he's elevating them to come out of these yeah. alone. Yeah, it's just it's not happening. It's not. So again, it's, it really just kind of seems like at this point in time, their best bet is sit on Ben and wait for the offseason to see if they can get. Uh, get in on the James Harden sweepstakes. And with that, we're going to uh, – up next, we're going to talk about Tyrese Maxey and his fortitude to be able to help the Sixers be able to overcome the San Antonio Spurs on the road. And Maxey's done a pretty good job filling in for uh, Ben Simmons at this time. But first, we're going to hear from Bet Online AG. 
Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. As we look ahead to the NFL championship games next weekend in each conference, I happen like the Los Angeles Rams as a three and a half point favorite over the San Francisco 49ers at home after knocking off the defending champions in the divisional round. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so Keith, the Sixers were able to knock off the San Antonio Spurs on Sunday, 115 to 109. And the story of that game is going to be Joel again. I mean, he had 38, 12, and six, and he's now scored. 30 plus points in 12 straight road games. Like, like that's an impressive streak that this guy is continued continuing on. He's been playing at an extremely high level. Um, but Keith, I mean, Tyrese Maxey had 18 points of his own and he stepped up in a really huge way, like in, in the fourth quarter, like there were plenty of plays that he was able to make in order to help the Sixers get that job done. Yeah. And like you said, he had 18 points in the fourth quarter. He had nine points. On three for um, three for five shooting, he made his lone three-point attempt. He went two for two from the foul line, and those two foul shots basically they they not basically they iced the game. He had an assist, he had a rebound, he did have two turnovers, and you know one of them was costly at the end, but he stepped up and and like I said, hit those two foul shots. Now he played. He and Tobias Harris played the entire twelve minutes of the fourth quarter. So that was kind of good for the, um, um, to have him out there. You know, he, he, he stepped up, like you said, he stepped up and he played well when he had to. There was times early on where I was like, oh, man, I feel bad for the young man. Like, you know, he just looked bad. But when it came down to it, he, he, he stepped up. Now he stepped up. And what, what was your um, thoughts of, of his play? Now, see, for me, Keith, from the beginning of the game, you kind of saw him begin to have a little bit of issues with DeJounte Murray. It just, yeah. And DeJounte Murray – in my opinion, is really kind of beginning to form into a star in this league just because of his ability to contribute in other ways. Like he's he's scoring, he's rebounding, he's distributing. His, his shooting percentages have gone up from, from three ever so slightly, but they're continuing to go up. DeJounte Murray, to me, is continuing to become a, a, a really, really good player, but nobody's noticing because he plays in San Antonio and the Spurs aren't a good team. So that's a tough matchup for Tyrese. And you kind of saw in the beginning of the game, he did struggle a little bit. But the fact that he was able to have the mental toughness to pretty much shake off the slow start, keep his head in the game, and be able to give the team a huge lift in the fourth quarter was really impressive. And he had two turnovers in the fourth that I thought, you know, were a little, like, boneheaded per se. But, I mean, the shots he was making were was – really huge like there was one three-pointer he stepped into I think when the Spurs cut it to uh, single digits and Tyrese answered with a step in three I thought that was impressive yeah that was pretty good that was a nice three that he hit that was really nice I mean but I I still can't like the poise that he showed and hitting those three those foul shots at the end those two foul shots to me that was huge because you know I was like yo put this guy to the line as a a pressure pack situation team comes back. He just got stripped a moment ago. You know, mm-hmm. I, I felt like, you know, that was, that was huge as well, but yeah, that, that three was nice. I mean, when you look at it, you know, he shot, 
it's funny. Him and Dejounte had the the same. Uh, uh, they both shot six for fourteen from the field. Uh, Murray went zero for two on threes, and uh, Maxi went one for two. You know, it's funny. He was a Maxi was a a plus a plus seven. Um, he did have four turnovers though, but Murray had four turnovers. You know, but you know, but I, I think he played well. I do. I really think he played well. I think the most impressive part to me, Keith, about Tyrese's development so far has been his three-point shooting. I mean, he shot 30.1% from deep as a rookie. Um, and this year, he's up to 40.7%. And he's taking three and a half attempts a game. And, and and you'll sit there and be like, oh, he has to take more. And, and I'll be like, I would completely ag- agree with you. But Tyrese, you, you know, this, you can totally see that he's beginning to kind of begin to, I guess, find confidence in his three-point shot. Right. So I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and I've got the numbers in front of me right now over his past eight games, he is shooting 54.3% from deep and he's averaging four and a half attempts from deep at night. So it's not like uh, Tyrese is just sitting here, you know, like not taking threes. Like you can totally see the confidence is growing. You see it growing over the last couple of games. It's been really, really impressive to me. And that, that's been what kind of stands out to me about Tyrese. Yeah, it, it has been. I mean, you know, it's funny. Gina Mizell, my my coworker at the Enquirer, we were talking today, yesterday, and we were saying if he doesn't make it on the Rising Stars game, then that's really like a a a, a snub, you yeah. know, a huge one. You know, I know he didn't play last year, but you would think that would be, you know, a, a major uh, problem if he if he doesn't if he doesn't get there, or not really a problem, but huge disrespect, you know. So, yes, he has improved a lot. You know, it's funny. Like, I think we talked about this earlier where there may be some people who say, well, he should be the most improved. And and he's not going to get it, you know, because he's a second year player. And it's more like, you know, last year when he got extended minutes, he produced. He produced. So now it's more or less he's getting extended minutes and he's just showing us what he can do. But. I'm with you, man. He, he, he's had a, he made a huge jump. Now, the only thing I will say this, and I don't mean to change the subject, but I think that some of these other guys, like I like Isaiah Joe, I like him a lot, but he needs to be a little bit more. He, he needs to uh, play a little better in the game. Do you know what I mean? He has to be a little bit more consistent. And, but then you look at it and you see that him and Tyrese came in together. I know Tyrese was a, a late first round pick. He was a late second rounder. But at the same time, you can see how Ty- Tyrese is making the most of his extended opportunity. Yeah, he is. And it's unfortunate because Isaiah had such an he, he was he was on fire in the preseason, Keith. Isaiah couldn't miss anything in the preseason. And a lot of people were kind of hoping that he would carry that preseason performance into the, the regular season. And Isaiah just really hasn't been able to do so. Um, he had eight points in the win over San Antonio. That was encouraging to see i know he knocked down a triple he had a really solid drive to the basket and finished but then he had another like really good look at a three and he just wasn't able to make it um and you know that's going to be isaiah's role on this team you, you know and i kind of was i was expecting him to maybe overtake Furkan Korkmaz a little bit this year just with the way he can play defense but with the way his three-point shot has not been able to drop therefore doc is going to give the minutes to Furkan Korkmaz and you know I feel like just overall it's been a really disappointing second year for Isaiah 
Um, and he's going to have like a big summer coming up, like when the season ends. I agree 100%. I agree. He's going to have to, you know, work hard, get in the gym, show. I mean, because we all know he can do it. You know, he's a shooter. It's, it's just what he makes a living. He's, it's something he makes a living doing. It's the reason why he's in the NBA. And it's something he's been doing his whole life. His basketball, his basketball career, knocking down threes. So, you know, I, I think that's just something that he's going to overcome. It's just you're unfortunate because right now when you're a low-minute guy like that, a lot of times you, it's up to, for you to seize the moment. And at this point, he hasn't seized it enough. No, he hasn't. It's just, it's been, it's, it's just been a little disappointing that just from that standpoint, because of, you know, how much hype it was really kind of around him coming out of the draft, even as a second round pick. And then he had a hell of a, hell of a preseason and he had a solid summer league too, before uh, going down with the injury uh, out in Las Vegas. So he just hasn't been able to build off of it, but he's young. He's in his second year. Um, As you said, he's just, he's going to have to get in the gym, put in the work, and when he comes it back for his third year next year, he's just he's going to have to be able to uh, pretty much make an impact right away. Um, thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, is free and available on all platforms. For the OG Keith Pompey, I'm Kai Carlin. We're out. We'll see you guys next time.